Hi everyone, I'm Jessica. And I'm Morgan. You are listening to Suspicion. Jessica, it's nice to have you back. Thanks, Mo. It's so good to be back. Thank you to Morgan and to Erin for last week covering while I was gone. I was so engrossed in the case. And even though I knew about it before, I had a great time listening to the two of you chatting about it. Aw, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Erin, for filling in last week. We had a lot of fun. I do, however, want to apologize to our listeners for the quality of the audio. It wasn't that great. And my editing was also not fantastic. But don't say yourself short. It was the best I could do with an eight-year-old PC computer. And also, I'm just happy to be back in your apartment environment because recording at mom and dad's was not ideal, especially with dad scream sneezing in the background. I can believe that. Well, one thing Morgan and everything did that we are bringing, bringing, we're kind of actually bringing this back because we did it on our first episode, but we're having a lovely refreshing glass of wine. Yes. So we are ready to get into these two stories. I know we've hit everyone with some really intense stories the past couple of weeks. And so this week we're going to be talking about stories with survivors. And they are, I would say, a little bit more lighthearted than the ones you've heard in the past couple weeks. Yes, I think the past few, maybe three episodes that we've done... I felt like I was going to pass out. We are going to make some fun with these stories because there's there's some twists. There's definitely twists here. So we are going to start with a case that when we chose it, I thought everyone knows this, but we'll just tell it again and everyone have a laugh. But now that I've said, oh, this is the next case we're doing, People don't actually know this case. Yes, I agree. We were talking about it with the entire family at dinner, and they asked us what we were doing, and we said we are doing the the Lisa Nowak astronaut diaper case, and nobody knew what we were talking about. And to me, this is such a... Kind of like a pop culture case. Yes, a pop culture mm-hmm. case, exactly. Yeah. So that being said, let's get into it. For those who don't know, so the Lisa Nowak case took place in 2007. Lisa appeared to have it all. She was a mom of a young boy and twin girls. She was an astronaut who had just completed a successful space mission. She was married. But then on February 5th, everything changed for Lisa as she became known as an attempted murderer. Going into space terrifies me. Have I ever told you this? No. Like, the idea of being in a space shuttle scares me to death. Claustrophobia? No. Well, you know, I'm I'm terrified of falling. Yeah. Of, like, falling from a great height, so I think it's that. But also, I just feel like all of that pressure. Oh, the G-force. Yes. Okay, engine nerd. The (laughs) G-Force. Yeah, I feel like it would crush me from the outside in. I don't know. It just terrifies me. You are a small, frail 
body. Look at these guns. <laughs> My muscle guns, not guns guns. For everyone who can't see, she has small muscle guns. Whatever. <laughs> Back to the story. How did this happen? On the early morning of February 5th, Nowak was wearing a black wig and trench coat as she approached Colleen Shipman's car at Orlando International Airport. Nowak had driven 900 miles from Houston, Texas to Orlando, Florida with the trench coat, black wig, pepper spray, a BB gun, rope, trash bags, and an eight inch knife, including other items. Jessica wrote, sounds like a kill kit. Am I right? Yes, it does. <laughs> but kind of a very extensive kill kit. What are you going to do with the BB gun? Shoot some squirrels. Sicko. That's what our neighbors Should used I to do. Should be concerned about you? That's what our neighbors used to do. Should we be concerned about them? Yeah, probably. Hurting small animals? You hate squirrels, so I can't... I, I can't... Okay, I hate squirrels, and I don't... But you don't I'm, want to see them. I'm frightened. I don't okay. hate them. I'm frightened of all animals. But I also am a huge supporter of animal rights. Yeah, that's true. I just don't want them anywhere near me. Yeah. Yeah. Like a normal person. Yeah. I Except it's them. not normal when you clap every foot when you're running outside. To or scare away or get frozen in fear and need people to come out. Or me. jump into the middle of the road. Yes. Except a bird. All right. Or as our niece to say, tweet, tweet. <laughs> okay, keep going. Also, in her quote-unquote kill kit, something that made this case so sensational. The entire ride from 900, for 900 miles, she was wearing diapers. Sometimes called space diapers, sometimes called adult diapers. <laughs> And she was using this so she wouldn't have to stop to use the bathroom. Now, I know a lot of older people need to wear diapers. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Good PSA. Thank you. However, there's a reason babies cry when they're wearing a diaper. Those are not comfortable. Can you imagine being a grown woman wearing a diaper? No. And... Like like you struggle with when we're on road trips, you can strategize so you only have to pee like once on this trip. Yes. I drink a ton of water and I'm never prepared on a road trip. But I am. Yeah, you are. But I, you're right. I strategize. So I only stop no, to pee once or you, twice. You don't strategize well. That's not true. Yes, I do. No, because I've been on road trips with you. And they're like, oh, I have to pee because you just drank a whole water. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it doesn't take me an extra hour out of my way. Maybe it takes okay. me not an extra hour, minutes. but but also, how do you just let yourself like go? I know. I think it that takes a lot of mental ability. Yeah, because when I'm outside and I have to go to the bathroom and have to go like behind a tree. It takes me a second to actually go. When was the last time you had to pee outside? Uh, three weeks ago. I haven't peed outside. There was in no like bathroom. Probably ten years. 
don't know where I don't, you hang I don't, out. I don't do a lot of outdoorsy <laughs> stuff. Though. Exactly, exactly. And I do. So Noack, with this kill kit and her diapers, she starts banging on Colleen's car window, begging for a ride. Colleen rolled down her window a little bit, which, side note, this is terrifying. Somebody in a trench coat and a wig banging on your door. I wouldn't roll down I guess it must have been a good wig, because I have some bad wigs. Yeah, you know. People would know. Yep. So once Colleen rolled down her window, Nowak doused her in pepper spray and then tried to enter her way into Colleen's car. Thankfully... Colleen was able to flee the scene, and Nowak was arrested on attempted murder and kidnapping charges. I read that Colleen um, was able to still maneuver her car out of there, and she drove to um, a station attendant and told them what happened. What happened? That's impressive, because you imagine if you're in pepper spray. I mean, I've never been pepper sprayed, thankfully, but it, you're, everything burns, right? Yeah. It's hard to see. Mm-hmm. Why did Nowak do this? Nowak had previously been having an affair with a man named Bill Ophelein, another astronaut. And, well, Bill had broken things off with Nowak and started seeing, yeah, you guessed it, Air Force Captain Colleen Shipman. The reason that Nowak had to rush and drive the 900 miles without stopping was because she had stolen Colleen's flight information from Bill's computer. So she wanted to get there before or at the same time as Colleen and didn't want to miss her. So I guess divers make sense if you're on, on a plan. Hurry. On a plan? Oh God. Have a plan. <laughs> you had one sip of wine. <laughs> Okay, what happens after? Nowak pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of burglary and misdemeanor battery in 2009. At one point, she had charges as severe against her as attempted first-degree murder. She was ordered to never contact Ophline again, was given a year of probation, and received an, and I quote, other than honorable discharge from the Navy. Why can't they just say dishonorable discharge? I I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But this is the quote, I think. Yeah. So uh, I rolled with it. Yeah, no, I like it. After this happened, Colleen and Bill really struggled. The case had consequences for their careers, and they became the joke of late-night TV, which is how I kind of remember this case, right? Is everyone... The astronaut love triangle. Right. And it's, like, funny when you think about, like, the diapers. It just makes it into this very sensational, very funny case. And I think because with astronauts, you see them as being very smart, serious, logical people. Yes. That the fact that this case happened at all is kind of like, is, is, is surprising. Yes. So it became very sensational um, and they struggled. Bill was forced to retire as an astronaut, being told any subsequent mission would be, quote, all about him if he was to remain in the program. That's sad. He didn't do anything 
it was Noah who was just couldn't couldn't give up the D. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! I wanted to see your reaction. I can't yeah. believe you just said that. I've been thinking about that line. Stop it! <laughs> because seriously, it's like we've gone through breakups. Everybody goes through a breakup, but. You have three children. You don't just go after your ex-lover's girlfriend. It's crazy. I know. I mean, I know that there's, we're going to talk about in a little bit, some kind of psychological things that might have been the reason why. But base value, it's just kind of crazy. Nice. Yeah. Colleen said after the attack, she thought, I'm going to be okay. But it was never okay after that. <laughs> On the bright side, though, Bill and Colleen actually stuck together during this time and eventually got married in 2010. Oh, congrats, guys. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's, it's nice to have a positive, somewhat positive note in the stories mm -hmm. we tell because it doesn't always happen no where are they now the Ophelines are married as previously stated and they live in alaska where they run adventurewrite.com a website that promotes writing for kids That's so true. everybody go check it out colleen is also a writer and published her first novel eerie in 2015 which sounds like something we would like yeah, it does. Colleen told People Magazine that the attack had left her with anxiety for many years, so she found writing to be a cathartic outlet. And we saw that as well with the case of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina De Jesus, is that all three of them would go on to write books. And again, they said that journaling was a positive outlet for them, for all the pain that they suffered. Yeah. Nowak dropped out of public life. She lives in Texas, she works in the private sector, and she basically has just tried to put the past behind her. I've always wondered, what does private sector mean? That just means that you don't work for the government, essentially. Oh, so you just work. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and I think cases like this, a lot of the cases we talk about, we are quick to say... Like, lock them up for good. And we are very aggressive, I think, sometimes. Yeah, especially with attempted with murder. sentencing. We are. But I kind of, I don't know. And I, and I also wondered, is this my bias? Because it's a woman in a mm -hmm. lot of the cases we talk about are men. But I do think that there are people who can reform. Yes. Who it's a one-time passion thing. Yes. Um... And I think maybe this case has just made me realize to keep that in perspective. You're right. I think the one thing that I might have some issue with is what was her clear intention? Did she intend to go kind of scare Colleen? No, I don't think so. Do you think she went to actually murder her or just I, kind of harm her? Or we don't really, even really know. We can't really know. 
I think maybe that's why I feel a little different about this case because we have talked about other cases where people get charged with attempted murder mm-hmm. where they explicitly attempted murder. Michelina, Brett, and Jessica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one, we I guess know. it's a little less clear, but it's still sketchy. Yeah. And it, it would be scary to just have somebody who had attacked you kind of out there. But I do agree sure. with you, though, that um, she does seem like someone that would reform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. No, she. I mean, not maybe. Oh, she did. She did. She's lived a quiet life. Quiet life. Yeah. A side note, this inspired a movie in 2019, so just recently, and I had not heard of this. Did it come out? You have Don't to ask me questions. <laughs> well, we'll all look. I I'm a movie file. I love movies, and I haven't heard of it yet. So we'll just say I'm an expert, right? And it has big stars in it. So you, everybody, so you would, would know. know. Yeah, it's starring Natalie Portman and John Hamm, and it's called Lucy in the Sky. So we will post a little bit more information because. Morgan's better with the research, clearly. No. You did great, and I appreciate the fact that you took the lead. Thank you. The new movie explores the potentially negative psychological tolls of the overview effect. A shift in awareness that astronauts report when seeing Earth from outer space. So this is really the only place I read much about this being tied to this case, this overview effect. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you a little bit more in depth about what this is. Um, Many astronauts have reported when they looked down on the Earth, they experienced radical shifts in consciousness, some of which can feel deeply emotional and promote a sense of connectedness with the Earth and with one another. So the overview effect describes this effect as a profound reaction to viewing the earth from outside its atmosphere. This overview effect has been described by many astronauts as the most meaningful moments of their life. I can see that. Right. And being so far away and just seeing earth as this tiny dot. Terrifying. You know, a little circle. Terrifying. But also just makes you... Put things in perspective of how mm-hmm. inconsequential some things really are. Yeah. Oh, man. Being in space, that's so scary. That'd be really cool. I just think of the movies where the astronaut gets disconnected from the space shuttle and just starts floating away. Oh. There was oh. this movie back in the day, and it was this, like, goofy guy who's in space, mm. and he sings, Got the whole world. In my hands. Do you know what that is? Oh, I mean, isn't there like a monkey in it too? There might be. That's and they go to this, Mars. They go to Mars. That's what this made me think of, the overdue effect. I actually will sometimes think about that movie. Yeah. But I can never remember what it is. Just that particular... Look it up on your phone. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. He's hilarious. Doesn't he eat like toothpaste at one point? Yeah. He his I think so. Yeah. That's, that one particular scene, though, yes. is the one that really has stuck with me over the years. Because they were so far away, and the Earth looked tiny. Yeah. But yeah. when you're on the Earth, it feels huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. So that was the story of Lisa Nowak, and we're done. 
That's it. That's all we're doing today, guys. Quick and easy. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> so we have another crazy story. Are you a dad? What? You're like a dad. <laughs> like a dad? A dad. D-A-D. Yeah, yeah, I know. Why? Oh, <laughs> I've just had a really good day and I just feel like really good. And I'm kind of excited. I haven't I haven't hung out with you in like two weeks. I know. That's sad. Again, Jessica has found one of the craziest stories I've ever seen. And this is also super exciting for me because I read what she had researched and I was saying to her, this case is crazy. And then you said to me, oh, I added some more. There's another twist. And I was like, what? So it's going to be interesting because this will be the first time that I'm actually hearing about the twist. So don't worry. I'm almost done with my glass of wine, so I'll have a lot of comments. All right, let's do it. This is the story of Michelle Hadley. A woman named Angela Diaz got married to Ian Diaz in February of 2016. Anticipating to start living in newlywed bliss, enjoying the new chapter in their lives, they soon became pregnant. Only months after her wedding, though, things would be anything but peaceful when Angela's inbox started to flood with threatening emails. Emails saying things like, and these are quotes from from the emails that she received. May 29th, quote, I hope you are scared to death tomorrow. Be prepared. Don't sleep. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. Then in all caps, you are a piece of shit, and I hope to God you burn for what you have done to us, unquote. May 31st, quote, you deserve nothing but a life of lonely torture. I have ways to hurt you. There is no place you will be safe anymore, unquote. June 1st, quote, you might be beautiful, You might be the one he married, but you are still a sinner and must be punished. I will make sure you are reminded of your place by force. Unquote. Oh, this is scary. June 2nd. Quote, I know you are leaving work. I watch as you walk. Let's play a game. Exclamation point. That one really gives me the heebie-jeebies. I hate when anybody says, like, let's play a game menacingly. Yeah, it's freaky. It just makes me think of Saw. Oh, I I once tried to watch Saw and a ring kicked me out because I kept screaming. I watched it, but like underneath a blanket. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. These are just some of the emails that Angela received for weeks. They also included images of a woman being beaten. Um, with black eyes or being groped by men in masks or women being naked and strangled. Ugh, also creepy. At around the same time, an ad was placed on Craigslist looking for a, quote, rape fantasy, unquote. For a partner that begged men to attack her while she was out walking her dog. The user placing the ad provided Angela's address. That is absolutely terrifying. 
Because somebody could actually think that this was a legit thing and go and attack her. Yeah, and I'm sure people are, like, there are people who have this fantasy. Mm-hmm. And on if you're communicating on Craigslist... Nobody knows who you really are. Right. And I bet there's other people who don't have a rape fantasy. They have a fantasy of kind of committing a rape. Does that make sense? Like the opposite side? Right. So there's somebody that's willing to perform this. There's people out there that are into anything, I think. Yes. But but that's terrifying. That's, and that's the danger of technology. Of technology. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's that song from Napoleon Dynamite? I love you, but not as much as technology. That Kip sang to the <laughs> at the end. I love Napoleon Dynamite, but I don't quite remember. That's at the very, very, very Yeah, end. when they, at their wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Everyone watched Napoleon Dynamite. Anyway. On June 24th, 2016, Angela calls 911 to report that she had been ambushed in her garage by men responding to this ad. Oh, my God. The police saw that it was... Simple to see that the emails were sent from a bunch of different email addresses, but they were all belonging to a woman named Michelle Hadley, as well as the ad and the replies on Craigslist came back to her. It turns out that Michelle Hadley was the ex-fiance of Angela's current husband, Ian Diaz. Is this another case of a love triangle gone too far? Well, the police are so... <laughs> what? It sounded very professional. Like good? Yeah. I bet. Oh, okay. No, it's good in a way, but it just cracks me up because I am looking at you. Yeah. And know you. Okay. Good job, Mom. Thank you. Well, the police responded to Angela's report and they rushed to Hadley's house where they produced a warrant to search her phone, tablet, and laptop eventually arresting Hadley. They put her in the back seat of the cop car and took her to the Anaheim detention facility. As police questioned her, she repeatedly professed her innocence and tried to convince the police that she was being framed, but no one believed her. I mean, you have this hard evidence. Right. It seems pretty surface level, cut and dry. Exactly. However, after Hadley spent three months in jail, she was proven innocent and released. As you might remember, at the beginning, we said this is the story of Michelle Hadley. And what do we like to do on suspicion? Focus on the victims. I hope everybody said that with you. That would be nice to think. Yep. So what really happened here then? As police investigated, they found... Did they investigate? What? Wow, Jessica, introducing a little teaser. What? As the police investigated, they found that the person harassing Angela Diaz was Angela (laughs) Diaz herself. What? Why would you do that? Okay. Those threatening emails from Michelle Hadley, in italics, Uh 
were actually found to be written by Angela Diaz. Which is another very terrifying thing that somebody could, like, impersonate you on the web. That happens so easily. I know, but something like that, I don't think so much on the web, but I do, like, when I go somewhere, I try to, like, wipe prints down just in case somebody tries to, like, take my prints. Because you can't, if, if your prints are somewhere, how do you explain that? Okay, I think you're crazy. That's a very... All right, take that out, take that out, take that out, take that out. <laughs> no, we're leaving it. No. Okay, the claims that Michelle had threatened the life of Angela Diaz and her unborn baby, false. Diaz wasn't even actually pregnant. What? Oh, my God. The Craigslist rape fantasy ads, you guessed it. Written by Angela Diaz. Creepy. Angela Diaz was routing emails to herself and using different servers to avoid detection of her IP address. Honestly, though, that's pretty smart. I wouldn't be able to do that. We were just talking about this at my office, though. Who who has the time for that? <laughs> who has the time to drive 900 miles? Yeah, it's true. I barely have time to, I'm like, how am I going to go to the grocery store tomorrow? Yeah. When all I have to do is go to the park with you and our nieces. That's it. But I'm like, when am I going to fit in in one day? (laughs) So when replying to men online about the ads, Diaz sent photos of herself and details about her personal routine to make it look like she was the one being targeted. Mm, Okay. While Michelle was in custody, Angela Diaz claimed the email stopped coming in. But as soon as Michelle was released on bail, she started sending herself the threatening emails again and becoming active on the rape fantasy ad to keep being the victim. Again, that's kind of smart. It is. I mean, she's a smart criminal. Oh, did she listen she's playing to the game? Maybe. She watched Law and Order. Yeah. Angela. <laughs> Violent language and photos were included in these newest emails after Michelle was released on bail, which resulted in Michelle being arrested again and held on $1 million bail, which who can really afford that? And this is when she serves three months in prison. And Michelle could have faced life in prison for these crimes. It's so interesting because... This already is a story where you already don't know what's going on. Because you have a victim and you're like, this is the victim. I hate this person that did this to her. But then it's like, wait, no, she did it to herself. So now we feel bad for the person that we originally didn't like. I'm interested to see why you keep smirking at me saying that there's something else coming up. Okay, we will get there. On October 7th, 2016, Michelle was released from prison, and on January 6th, 2017, Angela Diaz was finally arrested. So during those months she was out, even though they released her because they had evidence that it wasn't her, they didn't exonerate Michelle during that time. Oh, because they probably wanted to keep up the facade of so Angela would keep kind of communicating with them. Maybe. Oh, no. (laughs) More to come. (laughs) 
Along with two counts of kidnapping and false imprisonment by menace, fraud, or deceit, Angela Diaz also pleaded guilty to two counts of forgery and possession of a forged check worth over $950. Very specific. Yeah. Angela Diaz also pleaded guilty to one count of felony perjury and grand theft and misdemeanor charges of falsely reporting a crime to police and 21 counts of falsely reporting a crime to a peace officer. Angela Diaz was sentenced to five years in prison for her crimes. Now more. Do you have any idea what's coming next? <laughs> I, I feel like there's got to be something with the, uh, with the husband. Well, good thinking. There's always, the husband is always involved. You've noticed that I've continually said Angela Diaz, where I usually would have dropped the first name by now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. For a reason, because let's introduce good old Ian. Michelle Hadley has recently filed a lawsuit in which she accuses not Angela Diaz, but her ex-fiance, Ian Diaz. Huh. So, was... Did Ian put Angela up to it, or was this a case of a triple IP address movement where Ian was pretending to be Angela, pretending to be Michelle to get to Angela? What Hadley, what Michelle Hadley is proposing or alleging here, yes. the correct word alleging here, is that it was a little bit of Ian Diaz. Controlling Angela? Or... Were they, like, in it together? Yes. That, okay. One of the two that you okay. just mentioned. Michelle Hadley stated that Ian Diaz was so hell-bent on punishing her after their relationship dissolved that he was the one who plotted to frame her for stalking and threatening his new wife. I guess that makes more sense because even if Angela was jealous of... Michelle, it doesn't really make sense for her to kind of target her because she basically won. Like, if it was all over this Ian guy, Miss uh, Angela was the one who married him. Right. And we'll get into some potential motives for Ian Diaz okay. coming up. So I'm going to point out now, I took a lot of this information from a BuzzFeed article that we'll post on our website in our resources section um, with our post about this crime. Uh, that is a lot of information from Michelle herself and her attorneys and is a great read for a little bit more information on her lawsuit. But let's dive into what's going on. So here is a direct quote. At its heart, this is a case about the blue wall of silence, i.e. law enforcement officers and officials enabling fellow officers to violate civilians' rights. So, is that confusing to you? Yes. Well, Ian Diaz was a U.S. Marshal. What? Mm-hmm. So, this complaint... <laughs> accuses the city of Anaheim, four Anaheim detectives, 
and Ian and Angela Diaz of 15 violations ranging from false imprisonment to defamation. Michelle Hadley obviously sees that Angela played a role in this scheme, but her suit alleges that Ian Diaz orchestrated it, and yet he is essentially untouched by this scandal. He was never charged with the crime, despite what Michelle Hadley believes is clear evidence of his involvement and of his law enforcement colleagues' failure to investigate him. Oh, so, like, he had friends? In the police department. And oh. what's a, a, a thing that's interesting here is that when all of this was coming out, they kept Ian Diaz's name out of the press? Yes. They referred to him as John Doe. What? Which doesn't really happen unless it's a minor who's involved. Yes, or a rape victim. Right. Uh, Just interesting. I'm not, I'm not going to take a side here, but it's... It's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. So, the press and the police, and this is something I wanted to talk about with you. So, Michelle says that this is all fueled by sexist stereotypes. Mm -hmm. They portrayed this case as a cat fight between two women, results of a love triangle gone bad, which we just discussed. Yeah. And the crazy ex, the crazy new wife, all these crazy girls getting emotional. Okay, yes. I know that I did say that what Lisa Nowak did was crazy. But she did, you know, physically harm somebody. But it does, it is a press favorite to talk about girls going after girls. I know. And I also want to, I also just have... A problem with it being emotional. Yeah. This man was so great. Oh, that yes. They, like, that they both had to have him. Exactly. You, like, you never know. But the press would, it, like, eats that up. Yeah, they do. I mean, you kind of know what kind of stuff is going to make a scandalous It's a story. juicy story. When I was... And we eat up a juicy story. I do. When I was in college I was a journalism media studies major and they always talked about in every single class I took from print journalism to media whatever is you always want to have the the tagline the juicy tagline that's gonna make a reader come to your article the clickbait exactly and that's what I find super problematic with media today Mm -hmm. especially because there's so much out there now that you can find everything that you, to be the person that somebody clicks on, it's gotta be, it kind of has to play into the stereotypes. I understand the industry, but it's sad, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get into politics or anything like that, but you see this with that, you see yeah. stories being skewed and getting half of a story and going for the clickbait. Yeah. Michelle Hadley felt like at from the very start she was outmatched. Not only by Ian Diaz's stature as a law enforcement officer, but also by the cops really snap judgment of her as a scorned mad woman with jealousy. Now, 
with everything I said before, looking at the initial evidence, really without doing much, much investigation, it looks kind of dry that it was Michelle Hadley. Yes. But the problem is that Michelle Hadley feels that there wasn't really much more in-depth. They took the easy answer kind of thing. Um, well, to play devil's advocate, usually it is the easy answer. It's true. You know? like We've, We see that a lot. People say all the time, especially on True Crime Podcasts, the husband always did it. But most of the time, they did do it. So most of the time, if someone's getting threatening emails, okay, it's not the husband. Oh, it's the ex. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So, I mean, I can see that, but they definitely should have gone deeper from the beginning. Yes. Cross all your T's, dot all your I's before you put someone away for their lies. I just came up with that. That's amazing. You seriously are a dad today. <laughs> so, but some more serious allegations that if are true are kind of concerning in terms of the investigation of this case. Michelle Hadley says when she told detectives that her relationship with Ian Diaz was previously abusive, they allegedly asked, why didn't you report him? Uh. In another interview with police, she recalled being surprised by how many questions they had about her sex life following her breakup with Ian Diaz. Oh, can I use your word? Sure. I'm so heated by that because that is the absolute worst thing and like just the stupidest thing you could ever ask somebody. And also, why are people so interested in women's sex lives? It's like nobody cares about a man's sex life. Everybody go listen to Taylor Swift's new I was, song. I was just thinking about that. Taylor Swift has a new song on her album, Lover. The song is called The Man. And it's so right. And she's talking about how... People would view her differently for, like, her past relationships if she was a man. Because you look at somebody like George Clooney and you're like... Or Leonardo DiCaprio, or who Leonardo, she references. Who has so many girlfriends, and they're all super young, but it's kind of like, oh, here's Leo with another model. But, doing his thing, living his best life. Yes, but Taylor Swift, it's like, oh my god, she's crazy. She's another boyfriend. Yes, and so this is just another, another thing where... You know, Michelle Hadley was just, it, she's being stereotyped because she's a woman. And I said it. Period. End of story. Uh, we are big Taylor Swift fans, so plug for her album. <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug for her album. I know. And you know what? We are definitely, definitely not getting paid for that. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> but Taylor, you listen. <laughs> Reach out! <laughs> I would cry. I would cry, too. So let's dig in a little bit to these allegations of abuse about Ian Diaz. So he was allegedly very controlling with Michelle Hadley. He would try to control her outfits. He would tell her she needed to wear sexier clothes and sexier makeup and had to get her belly button pierced. Ew. 
A detective actually confirms that at one point Ian Diaz was monitoring ha Michelle Hadley's internet activity and Michelle believes he was tracking her car as he would call her anytime she left this little radius between her work, home, and school where she was studying for her MBA. So a detective did confirm that he was monitoring her internet. Yes. Oh, God. So at the least, it seems like he's a bit controlling. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested, I'd be interested to hear kind of like what her friends and family say for if, you know, he's telling her to wear sexier clothes and she does I wonder if they kind of notice because I mean you would notice if I started wearing cuter outfits than my normal loungewear but would I be like oh girl <laughs> no I mean that wouldn't be the first step and a lot of people conceal abuse yeah so it's it's tough yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, Michelle Hadley says that Ian Diaz even manipulated oh, her no. into having sex with another man while he watched. And oh! he actually filmed it. So, oh. essentially, he, from what I read, he had been pressuring her for a long time to do this. And then one night on Valentine's Day, oh. she took a couple cold medication pills and took a couple shots of Fireball and oh. did it and felt awful the next day and when she asked Ian Diaz to delete this tape he allegedly said no one put a gun to your head how upsetting, upsetting. it's very upsetting oh man once they purchased and moved into a condo in Anaheim things really started to escalate according to Michelle Hadley who tells of angry tirades and rants for hours on end. She said um, there was a time where he held her onto the bed while she screamed and tried to <laughs> get away, and other allegations of that sort. Eventually, Michelle broke up with him and left. But while Michelle had physically gotten away, they were still tied together by the mortgage on that condo, oh, and this led to a year-long financial dispute. During this ordeal, Hadley believed Ian Diaz was following her. She would see um, cars like Ian Diaz's without license plates around where she was, and she notified security at her work and at her school that she was afraid of him. And they actually banned him from her school, which props okay. to security for taking care of their yes. students. Yes. Eventually, they both got property lawyers and the dispute became settled. What she didn't realize is that during this time, her and Ian Diaz were emailing back and forth. And she said there was one time where she got very, in my words, heated mm -hmm. and wrote this angry email to Ian Diaz. So apparently he reported her to the police. Um, he mentioned he was banned from our school and he even filed for a restraining order against her, citing that she had emotional instability and a history of fits of rage. 
but the restraining order was dismissed. We have heard about this in some other cases where an abuser will make it seem as if the person they're abusing is actually the abuser. Isn't the term gaslighting? Yes. Is that what this kind of is? Yes, I believe so. So it's it's kind of flipping the script and making it seem like they're actually the victim rather than the perpetrator. So the restraining order was dismissed, but she is on police radar now. Which, if you didn't delve deeper into this, again, you'd probably think that it's just for her to be on the radar. Michelle Hadley said she barely knew who Angela Diaz was. She had seen Angela's name on some of the paperwork when they were going through this mortgage dispute. Mm -hmm. But other than that, she didn't know who Angela Diaz was until Angela Diaz filed a restraining order against her. After Ian did? Yes. So during the time of these threatening emails. So that does make me think that he definitely had a role in this whole stalking thing. According to Michelle's lawsuit, before her first arrest, she actually phoned the police four times to tell them that she was suspicious that someone, Ian Diaz, she guessed, was impersonating her online. Interesting. Because she was getting notifications like, You're out, you have a new Outlook account. And this is your backup email or, you know, things of that nature. Oh, that's so weird. She even contacted the FBI and the Department of Justice explaining that her ex was trying to scare her into signing over their shared property. Allegedly, no one returned her calls or messages. And prior to arresting her, it appears Anaheim police never thoroughly confirmed Hadley was the one sending threats or orchestrating these rape. How discouraging. Because as as you said earlier, the police when she started telling them about um him being abusive and they said, why didn't you report it? But it seems like she tried. Anyway. Yeah, and it's so complicated because I have so much trust in the police. Yeah. And you have to to feel safe. And I think I would say I believe most of the most of the time police are really doing their best and trying to agree. keep everyone safe. I agree. Of course there are mishandlings of justice. Yes. It happens. Yes. And it is also hard to If you know somebody, like, if you're friends with somebody and then all of a sudden someone else is telling you that this person that you know has a darker side to them, it would definitely be hard to ignore. Ignore. Exactly. So I can see that, too. In the end, though... We, we've said this with, like, runaways. Like, if, if a child goes missing and the police are like, oh, they just ran away. At the minimum, just dig a tiny bit deeper. Like, just check. Check a few more places. Mm-hmm. And just be more thorough. That's what I would like. It's right. just to know that the people that I am trusting my care to are going to be as thorough as possible. 
absolutely. Well, so I did a little teaser about the investigation part before yes, that led did. to Hadley's release. And this is why. While Michelle Hadley was in prison, her family was working tirelessly to gather evidence that she couldn't have sent those emails or messages, which really wasn't hard to do. They were able to prove she was in class during the time these were sent. She was in the hospital at one point when they were sent. But she doesn't know whether or not that did or would have swayed the detectives. Because it was actually Ian Diaz who was the reason that she got out. On September 30th, 2016, Ian Diaz arranged to speak with the Anaheim police to, um, on September 30th, 2016, Ian Diaz actually arranged to speak with an Anaheim police detective about Michelle Hadley's case. He apparently, according to court records, told the detective that he believed his wife had framed Hadley. Oh my God, this seems like another way for him to control two women, these two women. Or is it just so confusing? For yeah. me, I'm so confused. Yes, because you don't know, like, is he actually an abuser? And if so, then he is controlling the two women in his life? Or is his wife actually the one who orchestrated all of this and he was just trying to help Hadley? You don't or know what, my brain what is, is on the fire. angle. Me too. Yeah, what's the angle? I don't know. <laughs> Ian Diaz was never questioned again after reporting his wife. And when this is just like another weird thing. They asked him to turn over his phone from the time of the emails. And he said he had given it to his mom, and they never retrieved the phone. To be fair, if you gave me your cell phone and was like, I need you to take this, I'd be like, I'd be like, okay. He probably didn't give it to his mom. Oh, yeah, probably not. It's just, it's so weird. It just hurts my brain. This is so crazy. Shout out to her family, though, for, like, putting in the work. Putting in the work. And... That makes me think of something that dad always told us is that you can only rely on your family. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why all of us sisters are super close is because we realized from a young age that we got each other's back. Got each other's back. Where is Michelle now? Since her exoneration, Hadley's obtained her MBA and found a good job in her field. She does marketing for a beauty company. She moved across the country to New York to live with her sister and escape Orange County, the place where she became infamous for this crime. On the surface, her life seems like it went back to normal, but of course, she's had a very traumatic time. And as Hadley has explained it, the trauma has kind of left a crater in her life. She's still trying to get out of debt, largely a result of unpaid bills that piled up during and after her incarceration. And by the time of her release, Ian Diaz had sold their Anaheim condo. They purchased it for about $470,000. She said she didn't see a cent from the 
$499,000 sale. Again, at the least, he's a scummy dude. Yeah. After she got out, Hadley persuaded her parents to help the jailhouse cellmate she'd grown close to to pay for an attorney. I loved this. So, Michelle Hadley was, her jailhouse cellmate was an elderly black woman. And she said, like, they really couldn't have had less in common. Basically, she saw that she had different treatment because she was young and white from a middle-class family mm-hmm. than people who did not fit that little bubble yes. received. And she actually found defending and sticking up for her cellmate mm-hmm. as a, a reason to like keep, keep moving forward in prison. So how did you feel about my twists and turns, Mo? Oh, it was great. I kind of liked how I didn't really know it because it just made me be able to think clearer. And also, I think that I went through all of the thoughts that normal people listening to this story probably went through. Like, at first I thought, even though I knew that Michelle Hadley, like, wasn't the perpetrator, at first I was like, oh my god, that's crazy, poor Angela Diaz. And then I was like, oh, Angela Diaz, that's crazy. Wait, Ian? What? You know, so I kind of came full circle. It was a roller coaster. Researching yeah. this. So when I started researching, I told Morgan, oh, I found kind of a more lighthearted case about a woman who is stalking herself. Yes. And I thought this was going to be quick and easy. And then I just, as usual, got into a rabbit hole of researching into this case. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you did because it's an interesting case to look at. Agreed. Good job, B. Well, another thing that came out of this case that we just recently noticed is as we were looking for our organization spotlight, usually it's been kind of easy for us to find organizations that take place in the United States that relate to our stories. However, this week's cases, it was kind of difficult for us to kind of pinpoint an organization. So basically what we were looking into spotlighting was an organization supporting victims of stalking. And we found tons of organizations located in the UK, but really had trouble finding anything for the US, which what does that say? I know. And the only things besides the organization that we did end up finding, the other, the top results for when we searched stalking organizations or charities in the United States were just articles from different places like womenshealth.org and stuff, which is valuable, but it's interesting that there we couldn't immediately find if you're being stalked in the United States, come here. It doesn't seem like there's as much support, at least not that a quick Google search can find. Exactly, and I think that shows because stalking laws have come so far, but maybe not as far as they should. We would like and as they should. However, we did find um, an organization called Victim Connect, and Victim Connect provides confidential resources and referrals to empower crime victims 
to regain control, navigate their options, and determine their next steps. The Victim Connect Resource Center serves all individuals who reach out for assistance, regardless of race, ethnicity, national origin, immigration status, religion, age, disability, sex, gender identity, gender expression, or sexual orientation. The Victim Connect Resource Center is a referral helpline where crime victims can learn about their rights and options confidentially and compassionately. A program of the National Center for Victims of Crime, it combines a traditional telephone-based helpline, which is 855, the number 4, victim, or 855-484-2846. And that phone number again is 855-484-2846. You can go online to their innovative online chat, which is chat.victimconnect.org. Or you can check out more service referrals and information at their website, victimconnect.org. As usual, we will be posting this in our resources section of our website, suspicion.com. I'll also be posting it on our Facebook page and on our new Instagram. Woo! Woo! Um, Definitely check out our Instagram page. It is Suspicion. I have been posting a lot of the media resources that we've talked about, such as the documentary on Johnny Gosh and the documentary on Linda and Bert Pugash and the books that Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus have written. I've been posting those on Instagram because I'm still trying to figure out a place for them on our website because I definitely want to showcase the organizations first. So follow us on Instagram at Suspicion, on Facebook, Suspicion, and check out our website, Suspicion.com. Thanks everyone for listening and please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there and you will get the most up-to-date notifications on when we release an, uh, an episode. Yes. And thank you for listening. All right, everyone. Stay suspicious. <laughs> <laughs>